So, um, last Monday, I uh, was uh, struck with a reoccurrence of my, uh, I guess I, I now have a diagnosis. I have what's called piriformis syndrome, uh, which is a really fancy term for really painful sciatica. And um, when it happens, the first couple of days, I am... I suddenly go from a healthy walking around, uh, working out, uh, Buddhisty type guy, to uh, virtually something uh, not too far from an invalid position. I I, uh, I can't walk. I'm howling in pain. I'm uh, just lying there immobile. And then over the course of a couple of days, and during those days, I have to cancel all my appointments, and then slowly over uh, time after visiting doctors and acupuncturists and Eastern body workers and shamans and Haitian just anyone who can who anyone who promises that they can do anything and uh, uh, and listening to people talking to me about how it has to be my diet or whatever uh, and then slowly by doing extremely painful stretches I can slowly uh, sit and actually um, uh, do some of the stuff that I normally do uh, bizarrely, I could ride here on my bike, but if you asked me to walk a block, I could not do it. Uh, I can't stand for 30 seconds, nor can I uh, uh, sleep for more than a couple of hours in any position, but I can actually sit and do conference calls with my one-on-one -on -one clients and all that. So it's, um, it's a real uh, valuable lesson because... Um, even uh, in my practice, working, having worked, uh, training people to do hospice care, having visited hospices, having spent uh, basically between uh, just alone with my mother and my father, the better part of uh, 15 years going to uh, uh, nursing homes and assisted living facilities seeing on a regular basis the breakdown of the body, it's very possible to forget, to live in that place of where the narrative mind uh, is so efficient at distracting us from uh, just how vulnerable and how uh, fragile is this you know, human condition. And um, so the mind uh, naturally keeps us in this flow of not only uh, fixation on what's going on around me, what are all the dramas happening, how do I pay the rent, how do I uh, deal with this or that mundane issue, but then there's also these big sort of global uh, stories that we live in, you know, uh, I would love to write a book. I'd love to um, travel to, I don't, I don't know, Borneo, whatever the fuck, you know. So we all have these, these larger things that we'd like to accomplish. And between the, the mundane and these, glow, these sort of 
uh, aspirations, we can very, very easily lose track of what the Buddha called the, uh, the bottom line of life, the five recollections which he urged us to reflect on uh, on a daily basis. And I do the five daily recollections, which are, I am of the nature to grow old, to become sick, to die, to be separated from all that I love, I love, and to just be left with the results of my actions. But I say it like I think I, Christians say their prayers. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do this for twenty, thirty years. I'm an angel. So there's this, um, uh, you know, um, putting it aside, shunning it aside, and then bang. Something hits. It could be a loss. It could be a sudden jolt in life, getting fired, having a relationship fall apart. It could be having a great plan that we depended on suddenly uh, be whisked away. Or, but very often pain, physical pain, physical uh, discomfort. And when it hits, um, it removes... Uh, the sort of underlying internal working model we have of our lives that sort of gives meaning and sense to everything, the way we sort of frame life. And it also, um, as one of my teachers uh, said, I think it was Suchito said, um, Arjan Suchito, pain is um, an incredible spiritual experience because when you're in it, uh, all of the dark creatures hiding normally in the mind that you're not aware of because we're so in our day-to-day lives, all those little dark fears, worries, concerns, they're all given permission to come running out and present their shed. You get a, a Halloween parade of negativity. <laughs> and it's, it's a psychologist called mood congruence, which is when we're in any kind of negative mood or, or pain, the body doesn't play devil's advocate. The body, I mean, the mind doesn't play body devil's advocate. The mind doesn't jump in there and go, oh, it'll pass. <laughs> this will pass. This is a momentary inconvenience, and I'm sure, you know, it, it doesn't do what you, you know, you sort of hope it would do. It's, it's, it, what it is doing is it's first coming up, and it's, it's saying, okay, everything is falling apart. Everything is falling apart. You're fucked. You, Josh, are fucked. Um, and because it's the emotional right hemisphere, it actually can control your attention span. So even though the, your rational mind can go, oh, I shouldn't really fixate on the fucking just overwhelming pain that is radiating from my kneecap. There's all these other areas in my body that feel absolutely fine. You know, absolutely fine, but the right hemisphere goes, meep, 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 there's pain, freak out about it, and uh, so it's very difficult to refocus the mind, so that we fixate, and then we have the speculation, what's it going to mean, what's going to happen to me, this will certainly never change, and I'll be immobile, and... and uh, I have to give up uh, teaching, which I love so much. And then there's the fear, what if it gets worse? This might just be the start of something really bad. 
And, um, and then follows, that, that's the first part of the parade. Then there's the really, um, the longest part of the parade, the, the why me? <laughs> the, mar- the, the, the marching people all like, you know, this is unfair. You know, I do yoga. I've been doing yoga for 20 years. I should not have back pain. This is just a mistake. Uh, I've been singled out. And then there's... Um, so we have a, a, a lot of that. They're seeking back and forth. Victimization, speculation, fear, uh, fixation. And then on top of it, then there's finally the, uh, the, the most beautiful part of the parade, the, uh, the, the dancing boys and girls of, uh, of uh, avoidance, which is, oh, this sucks. I'm just going to go on Facebook for the rest of my life or whatever <laughs> and just try to avoid it by getting filled up in outrage at other things or, you know, getting lost in ridiculous viral memes or uh, <laughs> YouTube videos or just, I, I, I just do not want to feel anything that's going on in my life because it's right now uncomfortable, so let me out. So, um... In, in Buddhist practice, of course, the key is we turn towards um, we turn towards uh, the difficulties, the challenges, the pains, the first noble truths of old age, sickness, death. We don't run away. We don't add the stories which the Buddha called all those things I'm talking about, the why me, the speculation, the stories, those are the second arrows we add on. And instead, we focus on just the experience itself in the present moment. And this practice is called um, mindfulness. And in Buddhist mindfulness, we can turn towards even the most painful events in life because we break it down into components. We don't just tr- consume this whole mass of suffering, you know, what's going to happen, why me, oh my God, this is, the, this is it, I've blown it, plus the pain, plus the, the addictive desire to avoid it. We instead focus on the present moment and we unpack it on a very step-by-step way so that in breaking it down into components, we can actually be with any experience. So the Buddha said that it's a process of first, in any moment, when we're suffering, there's a physical experience that's just the body itself. So when I'm in pain, there's just those sensations. And if I examine those sensations, they're, you know, often when we say, I'm in pain, we're not even really aware of the actual sensations. We're just in this uh, state of trying to not be aware of the pain and then being sucked back into it again. And the suffering is in the mental struggle. But if we go into the actual sensations, what they are is just a bunch of tingling shit happening in my knee and up my leg and into my hip. So... That's it. There's just these actual tingling, and the more you focus on them, the more they're shifting and changing. They're not actually, pain isn't a stable, um, fixed 
entity. It's actually a constant series of motions, constant series of change and fluctuations, and um, and even the most what from afar, if we're not really aware of it, can feel overwhelming pain if we actually dump the resistance and the fear and we go into it, we can actually be with it. So the first part of any awareness is just what is the body experiencing? And in doing that, we're stripping out all the second arrows and all the stuff that's making the experience overwhelming and and an experience we can't be with. So the second thing we do is we become aware of where is the uh, physical resistance or emotional uh, uh, re- reaction to this pain. So this is different. The pain is actual sensations in the body, but then on top of it, there can be this feeling we add on of, I don't like this, I'm in pain. And that will be the shoulders will lock up, the stomach will tense, the jaw will lock, and all these sensations have nothing to do with the actual pain. They're reactions to the pain. The pain's not in my jaw, not in my shoulders, not in my chest, not in my stomach. All these additional somatic reactions of, I don't like this, are emotional reactions. And they're stuff I'm adding on. They're what the Buddha called feelings. So this is pain, but this, this is, this is feelings. And so we, I can become aware of those. And I can even, at times, just acknowledge them and begin to soften them. The third part of this process is what's going on in the mind. The mind often, when we're in pain, becomes very small and tiny, just the size of the pain, or it becomes jumpy, looking for any way to escape. When we've got bad news, we don't, we don't want to think about it, we don't want to be there, we don't want to know it, so we're looking around. Or it can just be, you know, anxious, overwhelmed, I don't know what to do, I'm in pain, help me. So we become aware of the mind, is it jumpy, is it very small, is it shutting down. Sometimes when we're, we've got bad news in life, we just want to fall asleep and knock ourselves out. And finally, the fourth quality, all the way, number four, are the thoughts. All the other stuff we add on. The story, why me, what's going to happen, the fear. So if you see what the Buddha's doing here, he's inverting the natural way we relate to pain. The first when we're normally in pain or we get bad news or we get dumped in a relationship or something bad happens, the first thing we go in, okay, what does this mean? I'm fucked. That's what it means. Okay. <laughs> Anything else? Yeah, you're really screwed this time. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> and so then after that, then we're aware of how jumpy the mind is and then we're, we're kind of aware of, you know, that we're all anxious. And then finally, we're actually aware of the, of the body itself. So the Buddha, in mindfulness, he flips entirely the normal way we perceive everything. He's asking us to go first into what we're actually experiencing in the body, then the feelings we add on to it, then the quality of the mind, and then finally, after all that, we go in, we, 
look at the thoughts. And we only look at the thoughts not in terms of listening to the stories, but just noticing just the quality of the thoughts themselves. Are they repeating? Are they the kind of... One question I ask is, is this a thought I would ever say to a friend of mine? I would ever say to a friend of mine. The, for instance, when I'm in pain and I get these reoccurrences of piriformis, I, the first quality, okay, you know, the first thought I have is, you, you're probably never going to work again. <laughs> you're probably never going to be able to do any of your, uh, the things you love, and, uh, and uh, you'll be abandoned, by the way. And then I will ask myself, uh, <laughs> is this, is this, uh, okay, let's, let's, just ask her, is this something we would ever say, even to the person we hated the most, you know, go up to somebody who's ailing, by the way, you're fully fucked. <laughs> fully, fully fucked. And that, you know, that's, that's mindfulness of thoughts, which is don't listen to the story, observe the story as, you know, from, it's not my story, it's just a voice in the mind, and is this the kind of voice that I would listen to. Another quality I can do is if this was someone else saying these things to me, what would I think of that person? What would you think of the person who says the most irritating, nagging things that you say to yourself? You would probably go, oh, fuck off. And now, most of my thoughts, I really, from that perspective, they would be, at best, a very irritating person that I wouldn't pick up the phone. Oh, you again. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, yes? Your friend, you're never going to be able to pay the rent and uh, you've got no financial futures on the phone. <laughs> I'm not here. <laughs> but if it's in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't miss that phone call. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm recording this, so uh, so there you go. Now the goal of all of this is uh, when we we do this practice, we begin to see that um, everything is changing. If you really if you really become aware of the moment by moment uh, pain sensations, the feelings. The thoughts you begin to see that it's everything we're experiencing is a rapidly shifting flux of sensations. There's nothing that is um, constantly uh, there. So everything is impermanent, and from that we get the other core uh, insights, which is uh, none of this was ever the things that we were attaching to for lasting happiness were ever going to provide it if we hoped that they were solid and stable. If my relationship to my body uh, and my life was based on the idea that I will always have health, that I will always be in good shape, that it would never break down, then I was always set up for bad news. And the only way I can actually uh, find any real uh, approach to life is by letting go of that delusion, which is I can take my body for granted, that I can take my relationships for granted, that I can take work uh, 
anything in the world for granted. All of it is uh, in flux and impermanent. And that's really, really important. So when we're in pain, the, the, rather than being a cosmic insult, it's actually uh, what the Buddha called a great divine messenger pain. Because it reminds us that everything, everything is unstable and can be taken away. And that should transform our relationship with not only our bodies, but our friends, the things we find beautiful, the relationships that we have, everything. We need to transform it to an appreciation of the fragility, an appreciation that each conversation we have, we will never, ever, ever, ever have the same conditions again with that person. We'll never have the exact same states of health and mental ease or comfort or whatever. Everything is fleeting. And so to bring a kind of awareness, one, that when we have great, wonderful events in life, to appreciate it with that kind of additional awareness that this is not going to last. That this is not going to last. And that doesn't mean, okay, well, I'm going to be indifferent. Yeah, you know, if somebody really liked my novel and they're going to publish it. Yeah, but it's all impermanent. (laughs) That's not what it means. It means, okay, this is great. But I know also that this is not the way life's always going to play out. And when we do get the, you know, when we do one day, you know, are in agony, we can't walk up the stairs and we have to, where, you know, I, I, (laughs) oh my God, I, uh, this was, uh, I, I, uh, was looking for a cane in the store with Kathy, and uh, they didn't have a cane. And I realized, because I, I, when you get pain in your back, you, uh, you, um, you, you get constipated for a few days. So I've been eating all this fiber for days, and suddenly at that moment, I'm like collapsed in a Dwayne Reed. I read, oh, great. This is the moment where the, the bowels are informing me that they are ready to go. I was crawling through Dwayne Reed to try to get into the uh, employee bathroom. <laughs> so that will pass too. <laughs> okay. I, I know you were hoping I'd disclose that much. So, uh, all right. So, um, the good news, though, is that um, a lot of people leave the teaching of mindfulness and, and, and the Theravada kind of there. That's like the, the core teaching of mindfulness. But that's not all the Buddha had to offer by any means. It's worth noting that the Buddha didn't only talk about simply observing suffering and noting its impermanence and noting that none of this is lasting, but he also had core teachings about we're allowed to, in addition to observe life, we can actually play an active role in our awareness and we we can cultivate different kinds of awareness and reflections so we can actually, 
because we are in control of our minds to a certain degree, and the mind is all that we experience, we can actually, if we want and if we practice, we can learn to focus and develop reflections that we can turn to when we're in times when everything has been whisked away, when we are facing mortality and suffering. For example, there's ten of them, and I'm not going to go through all of them by any means. It would be far too much to learn from tonight. But uh, one, for example, is simply to reflect on all of the skillful things we've done in our lives, to look back on our lives and up until the last year, what are the things we're the most proud of? And when I do that, and I reflect on all the things I'm the most proud of, the people I've loved, the, the times I've, uh, I've shown up for people, uh, I've, uh, I've, I've devoted myself to care, and to uh, I've uh, uh, been involved in the growth of Dharma punks, and uh, all that. Uh, when we reflect on that, and then we look back at what our actual condition is, I realize that nothing, nothing has been taken away. All the things that really matter to me, I can still do, even when I, I'm, I'm hobbling around looking like I'm 30 years older than I looked the day before. Nothing has been taken away that's of importance. Uh, I can reflect on the virtue that I have. For instance, um, if you offered me $10 million, I would, still, I, would, I would never kill another person, no matter what you offered to me. Sometimes there's, I mull it over. No. Uh, <laughs> no, you could never pay me to kill anyone. And that means I have something that's worth more than $10 million, worth more than anything in the world. Because I couldn't, um, I can't be bought off. And that's, something that makes me feel good no matter what's going on in life. If I can bring to mind just reflections on the happiness of the people that I love, that are going through positive experiences, that can never be taken away from me, no matter what's going on in my life when I'm hitting those times of difficulty. So, and there's more of those I'm not going to go through, but the idea is that we don't only have to think of spiritual practice as simply breaking down our experience into the basic components and observing the arising and passing, knowing that it's all impermanent, appreciating the good while it happens and knowing that the bad will pass. That's a part of it. But also, we can also learn to cultivate perspectives that get us out of the normal way we react to misfortune and the setbacks of life. Something that changes the picture. Anything for me that gets me out of the little... Um, mundane stories of how um, disruptive an event will be in my life right now, in the mundane day-to-day -day life, and brings me back to the bigger, larger questions of life. What's really important? What will be of 
what will be memorable to me when I'm on my deathbed or later mm -hmm. on in life? What will be I be proud of? And then, does any of the stuff that I'm worrying about today affect any of that? And almost invariably, it doesn't. So I thank you for listening. I hope that somewhere in there there was something of, um, of value. I'm going to turn this 